14. I want you to say, can't touch this. All right, good. Try it again. Are you ready? One, two, three. Can't touch this. Okay. John chapter 14, find verse 28. Are you ready? On your marks. Not that it's a race or anything. Get set. Well, I guess it is a race of sorts. Forgetting that with the lies behind, pressing on. You there, John 14, verse 28. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. Or the NIV says, he has no hold on me. Or the Bracken version tonight, you can't touch this. Verse 31 but that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father, and as the Father has gave me commandment, so I do arise. Let us go from here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. I uh, will tell you that there is going to come a couple comments and things in this message that you're going to want to write down. It's a message that uh, has. Uh, real significance and power, especially in relation to where the church is across America tonight. The setting, the verses that we read, John 14, earlier, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, the promise of another helper, the Father being revealed, power of the Spirit, and he, he says in verse 30, if you look with me, for the ruler of this world is coming. And then he says, can't touch this, or he has no hold in me, or he has nothing in me. So Satan is coming, he's seen as the God of this world, small g, God of this world. John 12 and verse 31 reads, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. John 16, 11, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. There is an entity by the name of Satan. And when Jesus says, can't touch this, or he has no hold on me, or he has nothing in me, talking of the ruler of this world, he's talking about Satan. So Jesus is saying that Satan's got no hold of me. The whole world is under control, under his control, 
And he is the father of all those who do not, do not believe in Jesus. Scripturally, biblically, understand that those who do not believe in Christ, their father is the wicked one. Of course, God has created them. I understand that. But they have to choose to be adopted or grafted into this new family. They have to make a choice. You know, monism doesn't believe that. Monism is like God is everything, He's everywhere, and we're all a part of it. That, that's not a biblical view of reality. First John 5, verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Satan doesn't like you. He hates you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what is interesting... Standing behind Pilate, Judas, the Pharisees, although Jesus would be killed by them, it was really Satan who was behind it all. And though he had no right to do so, Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. And what Jesus is saying in this verse is that Satan has no hold of me. He's got, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a piece of me. John 10 and verse 18 no one takes it from me, talking of his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This command I've received from my Father. John eight forty two. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, now I am here. I have not come on my own, but He sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you were unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Boy, Jesus can preach, huh? When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus gave Himself freely as a ransom for us. I mean, what a ransom note is. Somebody gets kidnapped, and a note is written, it's called a ransom note. don't hear about that too much anymore, but a ransom note is written, and if you pay such and such amount of money, then you get that person back. It's called a ransom note. Jesus was a ransom for us. And Satan had no hold on Jesus. Now, what, what does that mean? He has nothing in me, or he has no hold on me. It's a Hebrew expression used in a legal sense, meaning he has no claim, have to no claim over that person. What Jesus is saying is Satan. Now, Satan, you've got to know that Satan is the most legalistic entity ever. And what he's saying is that Satan has no legal right over me. Jesus is not of this world. He's not part of the human system. He's not part of the evil or rebellion. And Jesus could say that Satan had no hold on him. Why could Jesus say that Satan had no hold on him? Jesus could say that Satan had no hold on him or could say, you can't touch this. How could he say that? He could say that because he had no sin. Everybody say he's sinless. He had no sin. He overcame every temptation. Pride, self-pity, 
disagreement with the Father. He overcame all of those things. He overcame by the Word. If you want to look at a recipe on how to overcome the wicked one, you look at the temptation of Christ in the wilderness and how Satan would come to him, tempting him on every point. And at every point, Jesus would respond with the Word of God. And it's interesting that the devil responds with the Word also. Twists the Word. So Jesus overcame by the Word and being full of the Spirit. Now, news for some of you, we have the same power that Jesus had by the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have the same power. Don't tell me you can't resist. You can. And Jesus' death could therefore, therefore destroy Satan's work. John twelve thirty one reads, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. John sixteen eleven, And in regard to judgment, because of the prince of the world now stands condemned. He's been condemned. It's been judged. John, 1 John 3 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. This is an amplified version. Since therefore. These, his children, share in flesh and blood, in the physical nature of human beings. He himself, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature, that by going through death he might bring to naught or nothing, and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And also that he might deliver and completely set free those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. Through Jesus' death, He destroyed the work of Satan. So let me bring it home. So we all agree from the text of the verses of Scripture that we read, Satan had no hold on Jesus. Couldn't touch Him. He was sinless. So the question tonight, you might know where I'm taking it, does Satan have a hold of you? Does he? Are you sure? Does Satan have rights to you? He really is only in control when we come into agreement with him. If you could see into the demonic realm tonight, you would live very differently. If you could see into the demonic realm, we would respond differently. We'd probably be freaked out, I'm sure. There are moments... When the veil gets peeled back, they push us and push us or push you and push you. And when you go ahead and go for the carrot, then they stand back and point their finger at you and, and, and say, how could you do that? The devil's a bad devil. Let me give you some... Some points here, a couple things that will help you tonight. I think it was uh, just last week, maybe this, this service. I gave a prophetic word over somebody that is causing his family to pass under the rod. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. A shepherd's rod would be used for, for tending the sheep. And 
but it was also used as a picture of examination. And they would take the shepherd's rod and would would use it as a means of counting. So the sheep would go underneath the rod, but it's also a picture of inspection. And the, and the shepherd would look as the, as the sheep would come under the rod and they would inspect them for sickness, disease. They would count them. In the book of Ezekiel, God said to His people, I'm causing you to pass under my rod, meaning that He's going to look at them. He's going to inspect them. Does Satan have a hold on you? See, you can say that Satan has no hold on you if, in fact, he has no hold on you. And the way that he has a hold on you is through sin. So you've got to ask yourself, you, every believer, everyone has got to do self-examination. You've got to take a look. You've got to put yourself underneath the rod. Have you yielded to temptation? Number one, have you yielded to temptation? You know, people who commit fraud, they, they usually borrow the money and, and, and they don't really plan on stealing it. Did you know that? These fraud examiners will tell you this. They're in positions of power and, and they count money. And they're in a position of the way to be able to, to get funds without anybody knowing. And they do it, but not meaning to rip it off. As if it wasn't ripping it off when they first took it. It is ripping it off when they first took it. But their idea is, the rationale is, I'm just going to borrow it and then I'm going to pay it back. I just got to this sticky place and that borrowing it turns into more borrowing it and, and, and on and on it goes and they become embezzlers. On the job, maybe. The question is, are you yielding to temptation on the job? Are you, are you being seduced by that handsome man who's giving you attention that your husband is not? Are you being drawn in by that pretty young girl who's batting her eyelashes and think you're the strapping, strapping superstar? Giving you the respect and the honor that your wife isn't giving in. You're being set up. Watch out for setups. Watch out for the enemy. He's crafty. Oh, he knows how to wreck lives. He knows how to weasel his way into your life, seducing you, causing you to be slowly or sometimes quickly brought out from under God's mighty hand of protection. Have you given a place or a foothold to the devil? See, we can say, can't touch this, if in fact you have no sin, no, no willful sin. We stumble. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Yielding to temptation. Or have you given a place to the devil? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 25 reads, Therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil or a foothold to the devil. Has anybody ever climbed any cliffs? Anybody done any, any climbing? You know, handholds are, are essential to find when you're climbing. And what, that's a picture of what it is. That the enemy wants to try to get into your life, try to scale your life to get in there. If he can get a handhold, if he can get a foothold, he can begin to move in on your life and get a hold of you. Are we deceived? James 1 and verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and is not, not a doer, he's like a man observing in his natural face, observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. So literally, if, you con- if you're constantly hearing the Word, I will tell you, it's a great danger to be in a church like this one. It, it's dangerous. You say, what's so dangerous about it? Because you, you're coming under, continually coming under the presence of the Lord, the power of God, the Word is being preached, and, and, and we've got guests that are coming through. I mean, you, you're, you're really getting the Gospel here, so if you, if, you, if you go to sleep in this environment, very hard to wake up. Later on. And many will hear the Word but never be doers and as a result become dull and bored in their Christianity and wonder where God is. Look for the next book. Look for the next, next um, conference maybe. If you really want to get on fire, you not only read the Word, pray, do it. Do the Word. Take a risk. Jump. Obey. Push yourself away from the temptation. Begin to live for God. And the power of God will begin to come on you. And this says, basically, if you don't, then you're deceived. It's like the man who looks in the mirror. So he looks in the mirror, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm looking good. Then he turns sideways. Oops. See, he looks good this way, but then he turns sideways, and he realizes he's really fat. See, if you don't obey the Word, you're deceiving. You'll end up in deception. You know, there's a group of people that like to smoke dope and read the Word. It is one of the most dangerous things you can do. Smoking dope is stupid anyway. But to smoke dope and read the Word is, is a combination that will destroy your life faster than... I, I, I've known guys like that, and they don't usually get destroyed within a week or a couple weeks, or even, even a couple years, although there's some instances where, where they end up really deceived within a couple years. But I've seen now, lived long enough now, to have friends of mine who really just felt like it was okay, that the Lord understood that they just needed to smoke pot. And so they would smoke pot, and, and, and now ten years has gone by. Now I'm going to tell you, there's some of the weirdest believers I've ever met in my life. Their perception on God, who God is, holiness, righteousness... Their, their perception on, on, on the end of the age and, and what's going to happen, book of Revelation, they all are twisted because they've opened up themselves to deceiving spirits. You can't eat at the table of the Lord at the table of demons. You can't partake of both. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, are we deceived? So we're talking about Jesus. Well, Jesus, He brought it up. Satan has no hold on me or has no, he has nothing in me or you can't touch this. We're talking about living a life where the Satan has no hold on us. Is there a place where Satan can have no hold on you? Absolutely yes. There is. But you've got to make sure that you don't yield to temptation. You've got to make sure that you're, you're not, as we're talking about here in James, deceived. You've got to make sure that you don't give a foothold or a handhold or place, give place to the devil. Let's get back to, are we deceived? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, 
nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So if you participate in an ongoing way, I'm not talking about you blew it. I'm talking about ongoing sin. You participate in an ongoing way like that. I'm telling you, according to my Bible, you don't inherit the kingdom of God. That's what it says. And there are many that are saying, well, no, you can just go ahead and live that way. God is gracious. He's loving. He'll just wink at it. It's all right. No, it's not all right. No, it isn't. Has the enemy attacked us emotionally or physically? See, if you see ongoing emotional attack in your life, you've got to ask yourself to make sure, you've got to examine yourself. Now, is there something wrong? Listen to me. If you have ongoing emotional attack in your life, ongoing emotional upset, ask yourself, is everything okay or does the enemy have a hold of you? You say, how could he have a hold of me? Let me just pick a simple one. Have you violated the Sabbath? Ooh. Oh, that's the Old Testament. Oh, no, it isn't. I mean, it is. But it's also a kingdom principle that you should not violate. And if you violate, what do you mean by the Sabbath? I mean the Sabbath rest. Now, some people say it's got to be Friday night to Saturday. Some people say it's got to be Saturday. Some people say it's got to be Sunday. I don't think it has to be any particular day or you could make an argument really for all of them. I just know that you better have one in seven where you rest. It is proven, however, that your, your, your heart rate slows down on the seventh day on, that sun, on Sunday. Your heart rate slows down. And so, it could be very well that Sunday should be the day, or maybe it's Saturday, but the point is, do you have one? Do you have a day that you turn off, one in seven, you stop working? Some of you need to turn off your phones on that, on that Sabbath day. I, I said this, I actually, I, I, I found myself weeping this morning, I was talking to Carol. I ran into the restroom, and I said, I'm moving to the village. And she laughed at me, I'm sure. And then I came out and she's like, I said, I'm not really moving. God's called me to be here and to release people to go into the village, though. But what I was saying was, I, I miss the solitude and the simplicity of the, the smell of the salt air and the, the alder and the no phone and the no email and none of that with the wind blowing and a walk with God. In the sand. I'm going to tell you, on your Sabbath rest, you can get on your four-wheeler. You can go fishing. It's not about entertainment, people. Sabbath rest has nothing to do with entertainment. It has everything to do with plugging back into God, getting recharged, getting the rhema word for the week, praying and letting Him revitalize you. Because if you make it about entertainment... I'm a, I don't, anybody ever go on vacation, need a vacation for your vacation? You know what I'm talking about? And if you violate your Sabbath rest, you can end up emotionally haggard. Did you know that? If you, end, if you violate your Sabbath rest, you can end up physically tired and wonder, why am I so tired? Duh! You haven't spent any time with the Lord. Has Satan attacked us? Jesus said, talking of the woman who was bound, whom Satan hath bound, these many years. 
the enemy comes to, to, to put physical illness and sickness on us. And we have to be sure that we're not, you know, we're not violating the Sabbath. We have to be sure that we're, we're in a place where we can walk in healing and wholeness. Are we under God's discipline? And we're talking about, does Satan have a hold on us? And we're, we're looking, well, let's take a look. We're examining ourselves. We're passing underneath the rod. Right? Are you under God's discipline? You see, you can see upset or difficulties in your life. And it might not even be the devil. It might be God. There's two times of storms. It's a God storm and a devil storm. What do you say? Let me, let me review for those of you that are taking notes. Jesus said he has no hold in me or he has no hold on me or can't touch this Bracken version. Actually, it's probably that, that rapper guy. What's his name? You remember him? Dun, 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 dun. Right. Him. Yeah, 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 yeah. MC Hammer. To make sure that the enemy has no hold on you, we need to self, we need to examine ourselves, put ourselves underneath the rod. Have you yielded temptation? If you have, it could very well be that the enemy has a hold of you. Number two, have you given a foothold or a place to the devil? If you have, then the enemy could have a hold on you. Number three, are you deceived? Are you deceived? Living a life that's contrary to what, what the Word says and expecting yourself going to heaven. Or living in such a way where you're hearing the Word and not doing the Word and you're ending up deceived. Are you deceived? Number, number four, has he attacked us emotionally or physically? Are you violating the Sabbath? That's just, an, and if you see constant emotional attack, you ever know anybody that constantly has upset? I mean, there's always a car crash. There's always all this trauma. It's like days of our lives. No, I had a life like that, so I know. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it is a, a live... It's a reality show of drama. One upset after another. Car crashes, accidents, sickness, disease, poverty. If you have stuff like that, you might be under a curse. Come on, look at somebody and say, Woo, I don't want to be under that. Well, good, I'm glad you don't. So you need to examine yourself. If you see, look, if you see the fruit of that in your life, you've got to ask yourself, um, something must be wrong. I'm telling you, the life of a believer is not supposed to be one of constant upset, upheaval, drama, accidents. I'm going to just tell you, I, I had that life. Now, I don't have that now. So I, I know the difference. This is way better what I got now. Peace, joy, hope, faith, confidence. I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. It's running through my veins. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. It's running through my veins. Anybody else got joy? If you're, if you don't have joy in your life, you're constantly upset and sorrowful and filled with depression, something's wrong. Okay, are we under God's discipline? Number five. First Corinthians five. Well, we should look at that. It's going to chap somebody's hide tonight. Don't you love getting chapped? Woo! The meat of the word is that which you hear, and it's just like, ooh, out. First Corinthians five. 
Come on, get your steak knife out. Listen to this. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. I mean, the Apostle Paul's like, I cannot believe I actually heard the report. That there's sexually immoral people among you, and such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. So there's this man, we don't know his name because he doesn't name him, but he's sleeping with his stepmother. Okay, that's what's happening. Somebody say, yuck. Verse 2, And are you puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you? For indeed, as absent in the body but present in the Spirit, I have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you were gathered together along with my Spirit, in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one. What such one? What such a one is he talking about? Come on, go ahead, interactive church tonight. Well, who is he talking about? He's talking about the, 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 the man that slept with his stepmother. And so he says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So, so the Apostle Paul says, um, here's how you minister to him. Turn him over to Satan. Wow, Pastor Satan, you thought your pastor was difficult. This guy's rough. He goes on to say in verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover has sanctified us. You see what he's saying is that if you don't deal with that type of thing in your home, in your life, in the church, then it will be like a disease, like gangrene that spreads. How many of you know gangrene's got to be got to be dealt with? In fact, the apostle Paul called false teachers like gangrene. And this type of unrepented sin can bring you under God's discipline. This is discipline in the church. Paul says, turn such a person over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Let me give you another scripture. Hebrews 12, verse 5. My son or daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens, and He scourges every son He receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons and daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom the father does not chasten or discipline? But if you are without chastening or discipline, of which we have all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons or daughters. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened and disciplined us as seemed best to them, but He for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening or discipline seems 
to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Has anybody been trained by God? Have you ever been sent to the woodshed? I will tell you, I don't like it. I don't like it. I remember driving my my car. My children were in the car. I think Karen was coming another way. We're on to church. We're running late. I was on the island of Kauai. The light went yellow. I was driving behind some Tata. It's an older Filipino man in like a mint condition Dodge, uh, uh, mint condition Nissan or Datsun pickup truck. A Datsun. That's before they changed the name to Nissan. And he kind of just was going slow. And I needed to get through the light. I had a higher law at work. So I downshifted, blew past him on the right-hand side, made it through the yellow light, and was like, yes, hallelujah! And right as I'm going through the light, I look and there's a police officer. I thought, no, God! He just flicks his lights. Woo! Pulls me over. I'm being pulled over and I... I get pulled over, I mean, right next to the intersection. And as I'm pulled over, a good portion of the church comes that way to come to church. So they're all beeping their horns, and Pastor, what's up? They're driving by as I'm getting a ticket. And I believe it was Hannah. She was younger back then. She said, Daddy, is everything okay? I said, yes, everything's okay. She said, what's going on, Dad? I said, I'm getting disciplined. She said, really? I said, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting the rod. Now, they knew what the rod is. I'm getting the rod. She goes, does it hurt? I go, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it hurts. About 150 bucks worth of pain and a lot of humiliation as, as I'm being humbled with my church driving by me beeping. But it trained me. My wife's not sure about that, but I think it trained me. You've got to be trained. Come on, how many of you know training's important and sometimes it's difficult. It can be difficult to have somebody get up in your grill and tell you, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. But if you learn to live for God with all your heart, your mind, your soul and your strength, you'll walk the blessed life. You won't, Satan won't have a hold on you. And some of you are under the Lord's discipline and you just think maybe it's the devil. You can rebuke the devil all you want. It ain't going away. Why? Because God loves you so much so that He refuses to let you stay the way you are. So He'll discipline you. I don't like that. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that. They don't, they don't, they don't want correction. People don't want correction today. They don't want, a, they don't want a word like the one I'm preaching to you. But it's ones that I'm, it's words that I'm preaching to you like tonight that I heard Years ago, they, they told me, well, I want to be untouchable. How many of you want to be untouchable? I mean, untouchable in that I don't want the devil to have one filthy mitt on me. He had enough of my life. I ain't giving him any more. So I'm going to say, how, how, can, how can I get to the place of, can't touch this? How can I get to the place of, he has no hold on me? How can I get to the place where I'm scot-free? Huh? And I can just be like Teflon. <laughs> Moving through into the blessings of God. I don't want the devil to have a foothold. I refuse to allow him to ever take part in my life ever again. 
So I make myself accountable. I put myself under the rod. Are you doing that? Or are you just living your life expecting that everything's going to be okay? People want the blessing of God, but they don't, they don't really want to do what it takes to get it. It's not a sloppy agape. You want God's blessing in your life. You've got to examine your life to see if there's any wickedness in you. Is there any deception in you? Is there, I'm not deceived. Oh, yes, you are. And no, I'm not. Well, okay, well, at least you got a pride problem. I mean, you take a look. Say, are you deceived, Pastor? I hope not. I have accountability. My staff, my wife, men of God across the nation that know me. I live my life openly before you. I don't believe I am deceived. But to say that, oh, everything's perfect. Sure, everything's not perfect. The Holy Spirit's putting His finger on things, attitudes, different stuff. Hello? Why? Because He's training you. He's training me. And when you're being trained, rejoice that you're not illegitimate. Is the enemy hindering the mission of the church? Look at Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Is he is is the enemy hindering the mission of the church? I talked about the church being like Samson. Samson had a covenant, had power with God, but he yielded to the sensual Delilah, lost his power, broke his covenant, lost his power. Oh, we might be saved tonight. Praise God for that. So the devil can't do anything about that. But if he can have a hold of you and get you defiled and get you to walk in powerless Christianity and religiosity and tradition, then he doesn't really give a flip because nobody's going to pay attention to you or me anyway. You see, the church is a defiled church in America. It needs to change. It needs to shift. And that's got to start here. We've got to put ourselves underneath the rod. Does the devil have a hold of you? Or can you say like Jesus, he has no hold on me? He has no hold on me. You've got to resist the devil and advance God's kingdom. You do that through good character. Everybody say good character. 
Timothy, 1, 1 Timothy 3, 7. 1 Timothy 3, 7. He must also have good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. The devil has a trap. You've got to have good character. 1 Timothy 5.15 So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Interesting. Give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have in fact turned away to follow Satan. Character is very, very important. It's vital. You need to have character before you have anointing. If your anointing exceeds your character, you'll blow up and hurt some people. You've got to take a stand. We would say take a stand. You've got to proclaim the gospel and plunder Satan's house. Proclaim the gospel, plunder Satan's house. You've got to be a people of prayer. Worship team, would you come please? Does Satan have a hold on you? Now here's the beautiful thing. In a moment of repentance, his hold can be removed from your life. Repentance is a very powerful thing. Just stand up and begin to talk to Jesus for a second. God's love, not man's wrath. It's God's love that brings people to repentance. And it's His love that reaches to you you and me tonight to lovingly ask you, won't you shake free of the hold that you've given the enemy? Won't you turn loose of the shackles that you've allowed yourself to be placed in? Won't you you come all the way into the blessing of God won't you allow me to take your life and make it something beautiful arranging the notes as a master composer in a symphony of the grace of God won't you allow him shake free of the sin that so easily entangles turn yourself from the worthless idols Turn yourself from the things of the time and tradition and the flesh. Don't just be a hearer of the Word. Do it, be a doer. Examine your life and find yourself. Are you actually saved? You see, if you're, if you're saved, if you really are, if you really are in Christ and, and He's in you, you really have repented of your sin. 
then you no longer practice it. Because I, I don't know what the deal is, but you know, just more and more, I see people who call themselves Christians, but they live a life of sin. I, I can't understand that. I just can't understand it. And yet at the same time, I think back and I think, oh, have mercy, just pray. Because I, I did that for a season. You know what caused me to finally come all the way in? I mean, I had every kind of addiction there was. When I finally got rid of that, I finally had relationship addiction. That was the last one. That was the hardest one, I think. What caused me to come all the way into the Lord? I was not a fear of hell. I really didn't have a revelation of hell like I have it now. I didn't have that. And every time I'd come into the church, His presence would come on me. And I thought, man, I know I'm not living right. You're still touching me. Constantly, His love would constantly hunt me down. And I, and I thought, what kind of love is this that I can't spurn Him? Though I spurn Him, He comes. Though I reject Him, He still wraps His arms around me. Though I, though I don't do the very thing I know that I should do, He still welcomes me in. And His power still comes upon me. And He still whispers my name and calls me. And I think there can be a season where if you keep rejecting Him, then he lets you go. Even can be turned over to a reprobate mind. But finally, he just broke me down. And I just thought, I remember saying in the service, Lord, I just don't want to hurt you anymore. Just tired of hurting you, God. Just don't want to hurt you anymore, Lord. Man, I did that to everybody else in my family. They, they turned and rejected me just about. A couple exceptions. I said, I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to live for you with all my heart. I don't want Satan to have a hold on me. But more than that, I just want to love you. And I'm sick of hurting you. I'm sick of crucifying you over and over again. Lord, forgive me. And God in His mercy and His grace began to help me to live a life that's set apart for Him. Come on, some of you forgot that sanctification is a process. You've got to be sanctified. Some people get saved. They never get sanctified, ever. They never renew their mind. They still listen to the bump and grind secular music and get their flesh all pumping watch every kind of show that there is somebody that's very close to me said this to me I'm not watching movies anymore that I can't watch with Jesus I thought amen do you watch movies that you can sit and watch with Jesus if you watch movies that you don't want that Jesus can't watch what do you what does he leave you why are you watching Entertainment? Who, who are you worshiping anyway? Does he have a hold on you? I think tonight, you know, without... just want to make it broad. Let's ask God to bring us to another level of sanctification. Amen. Let's ask God. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Let's ask God to bring us to another level of sanctification. Just want to open up the altar. She can come right now. Come on, just seek Him. Come on, just come and seek Him. Good old-fashioned altar call. Just come and seek God. You are high, yeah. 
just come and seek Him for a moment? Come on now. devotion and dedication unto you. Holding out the word of truth in a crooked and a depraved generation. Shining like stars in the firmament. We want to be like that. That is what you've called us to. 
Not to be a people of mixture. Not to be a people that are defiled. Not to be a people of poor character and integrity, but to be a people who are set apart, on fire, filled with Your Spirit, giving the Word of the Lord in and out of season. Help us, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, I pray. Help us to live a sanctified, set-apart, holy life. That Your power might be manifested that Your sons and daughters would know that there is a God who's defeated hell and death in the grave and that we can say that Satan has no hold on me. He can't touch this. Satan has no hold on me. Come on, if you really repented tonight sincerely, then the, then the curse of sin is broken, then Satan has no hold on you. Come on, say, He has no hold on me. He has no hold on me. Come on, point, point at the ground. Say, He has no hold on me. He has no hold on me. Let's keep it that way. Day in, day out. Keep yourselves from wrath. Keep yourselves from clamor. Keep yourselves from idolatry. Be careful, little children, what you see. Be careful, little children, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Come on, sing it again. You are my goodness. You are my goodness. You are my grace. I will sing to you, Father. Wednesday night, we 4th of July, out at our Hatcher's Pass property. And uh, if you want to get directions to that, you can find that at the iDesk out there. Get plugged in, involved in the different things that are taking place here at KC. Grow in your relationship with God. Come on, we can change. We can change Alaska. We can change our nation one person at a time. Amen. Come on, you're going to believe to reach out to somebody this week, will you? Will you, will you, will you work and stir up the gift of the evangelist within you? Amen. Be in those morning prayer times if you can. Five in the morning starting at two, on Tuesday. Twelve to two. Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon. Thursday afternoon. Friday afternoon right here. Friday night prayer. Get plugged in. Amen. Wonderful. Lord bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. Amen. Bless you.